What's up guys? It's your boy, Radical. Now, my workout plans have been a success. More than 300 plus purchases and many more returning customers. You cannot ask for anything else and people are loving it. The same life-changing and affordable prices still remain. So go to RadicalLatino.com and change your life today. Hey guys, do you have a product you want more eyes on? Advertise with the Radical Latino Show, where over 10K podcast downloads in the number 25 spot on the 55 All Latin Podcast list, you'll want your product heard on everyone's phones and cars. Go to RadicalLatino.com forward slash contacts and start advertising today. Playing the Radical Latino Show. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands in the air for New York's Radical. Latino is taking you to another level. I think there's more radical than civil. Radical Latino, you're fucking it. The radical point of views, I think his views are actually more dangerous. people is your boy radical aka number 17 on all latin podcasts aka number 24 on all bronx podcast influencers and mr unsuable for 76 weeks running and also you can't spell radical without adding rad in it you heard so today we're gonna have a very uh, special episode we're going to this is an interview episode so i'm going to be interviewing somebody you guys are going to be listening to the interview that i am uh that i conducted and stuff but before we get into that first of all this episode is sponsored by radfitpro.com go copy a cbd at radfitpro.com right now use promo code radical to get 10 percent off your purchase also this uh if you guys like this uh this episode if you guys like all my material all my stuff remember like comment subscribe and do all that good stuff on the on the youtube algorithms you know what i'm saying five star me on the podcast site side as well you know on the podcast side so y'all could you know uh help out your boy you know what i'm saying five stars that also also i want to give a huge um update uh, for those who haven't seen my documentary, Open Wounds, it's on my YouTube channel. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. It's on my YouTube channel. It's free. Go check out Open Wounds Part 1 right now. Open Wounds Part 2. I'm working on it. I pretty much got the script all, almost done. I'm reaching out to a lot of people who uh, I want on the, on the interview. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so far, I only received two um two clearances to use reuse uh you know certain interviews that uh, were already conducted you know what i'm saying so i already got that out the way but i'm reaching out to a lot a lot of more people so this could be on a level that's a lot more a lot more professional and a lot more better you know what i'm saying so definitely I'm going to give you guys a, you know, I'm going to give you guys updates and all that other stuff. So definitely um, go to my Instagram, radical underscore Latino underscore to get updated and keep up to date because I will start posting things 
you know what i'm saying to to, to help us out you know so to, not to help us out but for y'all to be you know updating all that you know what i'm saying but anyway uh let me go start reading comments for last week's episode um last week's episode was episode 172 which was all latin people should identify as bna you know what i'm saying and i got a, a lot of interesting uh comments on that one which i'm gonna read but if you guys want your comments read for this episode go to the comment section write your thoughts down on this interview and stuff like that and i'll definitely read them for next week so the first comment goes by johnny mills johnny mills says radical latino joe rogan do not get a pass for me as an african-american nobody should not nobody should not use the n-word okay and I and I definitely agree with that. I wasn't giving Joe Rogan the pass. I wasn't saying that it was okay what he said and all that. What I'm saying is is that I want to hear the context. Either way, either way, with the context, he shouldn't be getting a pass. You know what I'm saying? But I want to hear the context of it. And I totally agree with Johnny Mills. He shouldn't be getting a pass whatsoever. But I wanted to hear the context. I, I know for a fact. He did not say out of nowhere. Like, it just didn't come out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? So, that's the reason why I, I said that I want to hear the context. So, but either way, not getting a pass from me. You know what I'm saying? Um, John Rambo says, I don't think it's wise to follow every step of Tariq Nasheed's blueprint. Now, this is the fight. Now, he's in a fight with African immigrants and Caribbean calling them tethers. I would hate to see how he really feels about Latinos. Now, um, he been he been said how he felt about Latinos plenty of times. I one thousand percent disagree with his take about the the Latino culture and Latino people. I definitely w disagree with him one thousand percent. One, he doesn't know us, and two, uh, he just he just projects a lot of uh, what he experiences about uh, from Mexicans on the whole latin uh, culture which is not the case all that we are not a monolith all latin people do not think the same so it, it's it'll be disingenuous to put us all in that same bag you know what i'm saying he doesn't do that with black americans he shouldn't be doing that with us but again i have a lot of respect for him you know what i'm saying i got a lot of respect for him but also you gotta also be uh, be 1000 we can't be you know we, we can't be just sheep out here. You know what I'm saying? I think, and I think this interview, uh, pretty much we, we touch base on that, you know, not being sheep and stuff like that. But, uh, Dwan Wright says very disrespectful to actual native Americans have some shame. Now, I don't know what he meant by that actual native Americans. Um, last time I checked. Native Americans are accepting Latin people to uh, being inside their culture. You know what I'm saying? Because Latin people actually do have Native American blood, and we have a high amount of it. You know, some of it, some of us, as low we have, we have uh, Native um, DNA as low. This is just low, as low as 25 percent. That's the lowest. And the highest, obviously, you know, 100 or whatever. But still, that's the lowest. So we have a lot of native blood. So I don't know what's disrespectful about us 
claiming indigenous, claiming native. I don't know what's disrespectful about that to actual native people. I don't know who he's referring to, but if he's referring to $5 Indians, then, um, you know, yeah, that will be disrespectful to $5 Indians because they're faking it. We ain't. We can actually prove it with genealogy and DNA. Anyway, um, so uh, with that out the way, um, this interview that I uh, conducted with the wonderful brother, you know, Pan-Africanism Strikes Back, you know, wonderful, wonderful dude. I enjoyed his channel. I enjoyed his content. Um, definitely go check it out. All the links will be down below. But this interview that I conducted with him was a wonderful interview. We talked about a lot of things. I got to know him a little bit more and get a better understanding of where he comes from. But definitely, definitely, definitely a good, good, good interview and a good conversation that we had. So definitely, I hope you guys enjoy it. And I'm going to catch y'all later. Yo, what up, my people? Welcome back to another episode of the Radical Latino Show. You already know. Now, uh, I always bring you guys special guests, and it isn't any different today. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I have a very, very special guest with me right now, and he goes by the name of Pan-African Strikes Back. Let's give him a warm welcome to Pan-African Strikes Back. What's going on, bro? I'm chilling, man. No problem. Just, just you know, grinding. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. No, I feel you. I feel you about that whole grinding. I feel you. I'm, I'm doing that myself, you know? Um, but... uh. Tell the people a little bit more about uh, about yourself, about your content, about your channel. Okay, well, my channel is called Pan-Africanism Strikes Back. It is a pro-black channel, but uh, all groups of people are welcome to go watch, give input, learn, teach, drop lessons, whatever. If you got something to offer. Um, and pretty much it's just a black empowerment channel, really uh, kind of doing what you're doing, encouraging black people from all over the world to kind of unify with each other to gain like political, economic, and social power, not equity, but like strength so that we don't have to wait for somebody to, to give us equity. We're strong enough to pretty much take equity or just establish our own system to where we're, we're, we're the ones who are handing out equity, equality, and all that stuff. Gotcha. 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 Um, now when did you, when did you, I'm going to just say, start becoming quote unquote woke. Like when did you start uh, getting into the whole Pan-Africanism educational part of it? When did you start actually doing all of that? Well, I've always, I've, I haven't really been like a woke person, but I've always been kind of like a political person. So when I, when I was 18, Barack Obama was running for president when I was mm -hmm. graduating high school. And so when uh, <clears throat> he came in 2008, no, no, actually, after, yeah, when I was graduating high school, Barack Obama was running for president. So that made a lot of us black people start paying more attention to politics, whereas previously we kind of just didn't really deal with it. And as I, you know, started focusing on politics more, you know, of course, I was one of those people who thought, oh, Obama, we got a black president, black people are saved, automatic equality. But once Obama really didn't do much for black people, just kind of stayed with the status quo, I realized like, yo, this system in the United States is not really one that's designed for the prosperity or progress of anybody who's not Caucasian, really. Um, and, and even Hispanic people uh, or Latino people, 
or Mexican people or whatever you are, you might be able to get like a form of of like progress. But in order to do that to any real level, you pretty much have to assimilate into whiteness. And that's where you get like Latino people who their name is like Villanueva, but you couldn't tell that guy from a white guy because he's Mexican. P- parents were immigrants, but he's totally assimilated to into Caucasian society because that's easier for him. It makes life easier. He gets the promotion. They say, hey, you're more white, so you can represent the company. So when you're in a system dominated by one group, the only way you're going to be able to make progress is to assimilate into that group. There's not really this thing where it's like, oh, we're just going to view you as equals. That doesn't happen. Not with Caucasian people. But um, so basically me being black, <laughs> it's all the more hard, you know, because there's just still these these color lines. No matter what we try to say or do, oh, it's equality and all that stuff. It just ain't facts. And, and I wish it was, but it's not. So I just started thinking like, I got to start operating in a way that's more beneficial for my people. I feel you on that. Um, and and that's actually that's actually true. Like the small um the one time that I came into your show, I I, I put put the things I just put the things out there. You know what I'm saying? And the difference between uh Anglo Hispanics and just the typical Latinos, you know, who are brown brown to 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 darker melanated, we have a stark difference. But yet we get all lumped in into one box. You know what I'm saying? But no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I came into that realization later on in life when, with the concept of white supremacy and how it pretty much, you know, dominates everything here in America. You know what I'm saying? So um, with Pan-Africanism, but what my understanding is, is basically going back to the motherland and getting to know and being basically proud of some of the African roots. Is that is that correct? Well, Pan-Africanism... It, there is a segment of it that's, there is a, a, a part of it that involves pride in your culture and embracing African culture. But Pan-Africanism really encompasses the whole world. So it deals with Black or African people or people who are Af- descendants of Africa all over the world, no matter where they may be. So to be a Pan-Africanist, you don't have to live in Africa. You don't have to be moving to Africa or, you know, someone who's in love with Africa, you just have to acknowledge that we all come from Africa and that that alone, the same, the same characteristic that they use to discriminate against us, we need to use that same characteristic to unify with each other. Mm, that's, a, that, that's actually true. And I, and I, and I, and I, I like how, how you said it. And this pretty much segues to something that um, I've I've started to see on your channel. Um, it started with the whole Twitter thing, with the whole uh, save the tribe, right? Um, and yeah, 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 yeah. Save the tribe and all this other stuff. Again, I understand I'm a Latino. I should not be putting my foot or having uh, my my thought dictate on, on the FBA or ADOS. I know I got to go back in my corner and eat my taco. I get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get it. But I, I found it very interesting that other other folks who would be considered FBA are going against that and saying, nah, y'all, y'all off code. And you're one of those people that were like, yo, you guys are off code. So can you explain a little bit about that? Well, here's the thing. Mexican people are Indians, okay? Yeah. You guys are a mixture of Spanish people with the indigenous populations of America. 
If someone's trying to steal your identity, you have every right to address that person. I can't tell you you can't. It's not me. If a white dude starts talking about he African or he's African-American, we're going to get that, get at that dude, right? Yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> yeah, got, that's yeah. stuff where they say, oh, you're you're not black or whatever. That's just kind of like a, 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 a like silencing tactic so they don't have to deal with it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, But as far as FBS concerned, you know, foundational black Americans or the American descendants of slaves, you know, every couple of years, to be real about black folks, we have so much trauma behind the way we were treated during slavery and stuff. It kind of seems like there are those among us who want to, who want to be anything but but black or or African, mm. right? Mm. A lot of okay. people have a lot of different feelings about the situation with slavery. It's a bad. It's kind of like a it's like a scar on our on our history. You know, some people have a healthy approach where they take pride in the fact that their ancestors were strong enough to survive such harsh conditions and still put put us put us in a position to actually be alive, right? They didn't just yeah. give up and assimilate in. Um yeah. so those people just want to try to distance themselves from their African lineage. And FBA, they're caught up with this idea that uh, Caucasians are going to give us reparations for slavery. And it just you already know. It's like a family. The family can be very loving, but as soon as uh you know Abuela dies Everybody goes crazy over the over the over the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. go crazy. Your cousin ain't your cousin no more. Your TO ain't your TO no more. He's you know everybody gets blinded by greed, yeah. and yeah. that's what's going on with FBA. The money is not promised. It's not like uh, in the horizon. It's just something that they hope happens, but that don't stop them from fighting and trying to discriminate against others when it comes to the re- who receives that money. Yeah, like one of the one of the things I found interesting, and um, I'm I just want to know your opinion on it. Um, first of all, I'm not against reparations. Let you know, let Black Americans get reparations. That's something that they're owed. You know, the fact that the United States is giving reparations to Asian people, you know, and all these other people around the world, that's very disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? So, my thing, my thing is, um, in some of the conversations that I've seen. FBA people have with Africans or whatever. I'm not hearing a political talk about how to achieve getting reparations. All I'm hearing is cheetah pee this, your hairline is messed up that, you guys came from a magic carpet, this and and you know all of this other stuff. Like I'm not hearing no political uh talk, you know, no, nothing tangible to actually achieve reparation. In, in your point of view, why why do you think it goes into this roasting session instead of actually, okay, let's actually talk about tangible political, um, you know, achievements in order to get reparations. Well, at the end of the day, what you have to understand about African-American society is we were always put in a role where we were like the entertainment, right? So like, even back in the day, you had stuff like uh, the minstrel shows, you know, you see the black guy, on stage tap dancing and you got the cane and the hat and all that type of stuff. We were always the entertainment, right? The comic relief. So what happens is a lot of the ways we dealt with adversity during like slavery, Jim Crow and stuff like that was through comedy. We would like laugh it off, you know? So like white guy call you the N word, you want to bust him in his face, but you're really just like, you know what? Let me just like laugh it off. Let me joke it off. 
so you appear less threatening. That's what it is. And so when they, so when you hear black people in those spaces like Tariq and she interact with other blacks or different races, it's always going to be in this comical way because the black man in America has always been taught you better laugh when you say that because the minute a white person feels like you you're making a threat, they're going to come down on you. So that's passed on through the years and down into our interaction with even other groups. Oh, it's just a joke. Oh, I was just playing. Ha 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 ha. Nah, they really, they're really serious, but it's like that saying, you got to laugh to keep from crying type thing. They're serious. They're very angry, but they're going to laugh because that's a, a type of a coping mechanism. These guys understand that it's a long shot to get reparations. They understand that we kind of like sold out our own best interest during civil rights when we allowed everybody to be included in what we wanted for us, right? When we never held the dominant society accountable for doing something specifically for us but now there's really nothing you can do about it so what shoot jokes try to retain some semblance of dignity you know cracking jokes on people and making fun of them so like you said there's no political agenda and i think my people don't understand that we're the ones who have to make the political agenda we can't look to caucasians and say you need to make a political agenda for black people black people need to make a political agenda for themselves and whether we get the support of politicians or not, we need to execute that agenda. And quick question. How would you think of achieving that political agenda? Um, getting enough black folks on code in order to achieve that political agenda? Do you think that might be one of the things? Um, I believe that the minority controls the majority, right? Even in America, there's 500 white guys on Capitol Hill who control 500 million Americans. So it ain't really a matter of numbers. It's really a matter of organization and having a goal and having a, a code of conduct and having core values that you stick to no matter what. You ever saw the movie Planet of the Apes? Remember yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. Remember that saying, ape not kill ape? Yeah, that? yeah. That was yeah. a code that they stuck to. And yeah. one of the ways they were able to take over the planet from the humans was the humans started fighting each other. So the humans were fighting apes and fighting each other. Yeah. And, and, and they, they wiped themselves out. So we got to get like a code, a set of core values, and we just need to start working. And one of those things I believe involves going back to Africa and investing in Africa, because that's what every other race of people is doing at this point. Invest in Africa, create an economic hub there, generate wealth there and here, and then we'll be able to have some money so we can go and buy some politicians, grease some palms, and get our agenda pushed to the forefront. Yeah. Um, I've uh, I've seen, I want to give a shout out to O'Shea, because I've seen O'Shea, I think, um, mention one of your videos, right? Right. And I saw his point of view, and I saw, and I see it both ways, you know? I understand that. Um, FBAs say, well, there's no reason to align with Pan-Africanism or whatever the case is when Africans, immigrants themselves, don't want to align with Black Americans. Like, I understand that. But also, in the same time, I see that there's a disconnect with the immigrants that come here because, one, of miseducation, and two, is because either um, they don't want to get along or is because of 
again, miseducation, uh, mis misinformation, or whatever the case is, do you at least see some truth at what FBAs do say about, okay, about the immigrant class that come in here and actually devalue some of the, the jobs or some of the, the, the resources that Black Americans are deserving to have? Um, no, I don't really see any truth in it because black immigrants account for like 1% of all immigration. Um, if there was really a threat to black people in America, it would be Hispanic immigrants because they're coming in larger numbers and they inhabit our same spaces. We live in the same spaces and they're willing to do a lot of the jobs that we traditionally don't want to do. So while we go for the like higher paying jobs, they're willing to take the lower paying jobs, the jobs that, where you work with your hands, and it's like, the, it's like the tortoise and the hare. Slow and steady eventually wins the race. We're trying to go for the Ferrari. We should have just got a Honda. Now we're broken down on the side of the road, and the Hispanics are riding by in the Honda, and they're going to get there before we do. When it comes to FBA in the in black immigrants, FBA, you got to understand, has been in a close, close, close proximity to white supremacy for a long time. There's no way you can be around a group of people for 400 years and not adopt some of their character traits, right? So if you look at the way FBA is interacting with black immigrants, look at the way Caucasians or Anglo-Saxons interacted with Irish immigrants, Italian immigrants, Scottish immigrants. They had the same talking points. These immigrants are gonna do this and do that and they don't side with us and they're not, and they undermine us. But somehow, since those immigrants came into the country, you've had major cities like New York, Chicago, Washington, L.A. be built. The American economy moved to the point where it was the strongest, where it's the strongest economy in the world. This is a world power all because why? Immigration, the mixture of the world's best people coming together to make a country that is unlike any other thing ever seen in, in, in the history of the, of the planet. So FBA is doing the same thing. At first, when you don't understand something, you fear that thing. And you have all these preconceived notions about that thing. But while, while they're saying that, what people have to understand is this. You got FBAs married to Caribbean people. You have FBAs married to African people. A guy jumped on my panel the other day. He's married to a Nigerian woman. And there's thousands of people who are in that situation. Most of the dudes you see on my panel talking trash, they're married to non-FBA. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just hypocrisy. And it's all rooted in fear and this like, this part of, of like whiteness that has gotten inside of us where we're taught that anything we don't understand is a threat and we should come at it in force before actually taking the time to, uh, to learn how to understand that thing. So I don't think, I think there's a lot of talk. My people do a lot of talking, but I don't think there's really much that's going to come of it because it's a political issue and Caucasians, they want these immigrants here and that's what's going to happen no matter what. So hopefully we don't put ourselves in a position like we do with anti-Asian hate where they're passing bills to force us to like leave people alone and we just kind of mature and handle it on our own. Yeah, I, I do agree with you with some of the talking points um, about that. I see some some FBAs sounding just like Richard Spencer. You know what I'm saying? Um, some FBAs uh, talking about, 
you know, uh, these uh, these Africans should go back to their country. We should build a wall. You know, I'm hearing some of the same talking points. If it would have been a white person, we would have been canceled them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I also saw on Twitter certain Africans going at FBA saying, um, talk, talking about why are you offended about what Joe Rogan said when you guys say something similar to African immigrants? Right. So I I see I see both sides and I see that there is like a a a a big disconnect. I don't know where it's coming from, but um I I don't I I see what Tariq Nasheed is talking about, but also at the same time I kind of disagree with it because look, we have to be honest. Due to white supremacy, uh, immigrants are being used to undermine Black Americans economically speaking, right? Ah. Um, okay, so let me let me explain. Uh, because of uh, the the way you like you just said how um, how Hispanics are given the jobs, right? They could pretty much give it to Black Americans, but because they could undervalue the cost and the labor, that's the reason why they'll give it to to a Hispanic over a Black American. So that's how that's how we're used as pawns to undervalue the the economic. Uh, improvements of black america that's well, that's how you, i see it well if you live in like a state like me i live in california right okay these hispanic or mexican people are making 25 dollars, 30 40 dollars an hour mm. doing construction yeah. they're in the unions labor unions iron workers welders unions carpentry unions. yeah that may have been the case like in the 90s yeah but now because workers rights laws have changed yeah. right and employers understand that Yo, I can't keep this cheap labor if this guy can't afford a place to live. The wages have gone up. Yeah, and okay, now okay. we're dealing with like the second, third generation or fourth generation of yeah, yeah. Hispanic immigrants. So these kids are citizens, right? Yeah. And a lot of them are taking skills that they've learned from their fathers who may not have been citizens, and they're taking that into the workforce. So what you see is a skilled workforce coming out of the Hispanic community. It's not traditionally skilled in the sense of they didn't go to like white carpentry schools to learn, but these are trades and skills they learned from their fathers who came from from Mexico. Well, I see now. I see your point. I see your right. point where right. where you're talking about the generational uh, mental resources that certain immigrants are getting throughout they're getting, time. They're getting- they're getting paid I, now, bro. That's not. I, no. I see. I see. I see your point. I see your point, and I, but, I, I but, will have to. I will have to agree. I the, see your point. And the, but, and but the, but, the is, thing, but the also the uh, a very um, interesting stat is that the depending on where you live, but the majority of immigrants who I do see coming in are mostly Asians, and I do see them, you know, acquiring massive amounts of you know resources such as you know restaurants and nail shops and all this other stuff. But pretty much they're they're getting these type of jobs and circulating amongst themselves. You and know why, what I mean? Why is that? That's not because they got some type of special advantage. That's because when they come to this country, there mm-hmm. is an infrastructure already established that they come and plug right into. That's when true. they come That's here, true. they're working in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And, and then they can ask the guy who they're working for, yo, I, I'm saving my money. Would you go into business with me to open up another Chinese restaurant? But, but, but this is the this is the difference between let's say an Asian immigrant and a, a Latino immigrant. This is the this is the difference. Asians don't send their money back home. 
Latinos, unfortunately enough, uh, immigrants and first generation immigrants, I don't see this happening second, third or fourth, but usually they'll send their money back home in order to help their family, which is to me, which is a ridiculous thing to do. If you're still trying to establish yourself here in America, we don't circulate Latinos, but for the most part, don't circulate their money within our own community. No, yeah, you guys do. If you if you come to California, I don't know where yeah. you live, what state you're in, but yeah, I'm in New York. I'm in New York. Okay, New York. so if you come to California, they got whole Latino neighborhoods where every restaurant is a Mexican restaurant. But but but, but you're, no, you're right. Business a, a Latino a, a Latino neighborhood and 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 restaurant. You're you're right, but again. Those are very small. They're not franchises. And these neighborhoods, these Latino neighborhoods are still mess, are messed up and compared to a black neighborhood if people want to do the comparison. No, 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 no. What neighborhood is black? Find me a neighborhood in America that's... Oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, economically, dis, uh, economically disenfranchised neighborhood. I, get I can tell you, I can take you right now in my city where I live in Long Beach, yeah. I could tell you at least five 100% Hispanic neighborhoods with a Mexican grocery store, a Mexican dry cleaner. Uh, but they're still disenfranchised? Uh, but aren't like, they not disenfranchised? Th listen, they are still, Latinos are still disenfranchised, but they have a, a work ethic that helps them still make progress. You're even right. in the, the Latino work ethic is much like how the black work, work ethic was in like the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Yeah. It's like, look, we're not going to worry about that. We're just going to yeah. keep working hard for our families, right? Yeah. So they're building. There's a place. But, but my, a my, my point was that that work ethic isn't something. It only comes from immigrants and first generations. That work mm -hmm. ethic gets lost within second or third or fourth. That, the, my point was that it, it, wasn't, it isn't something. I see this in many immigrant groups whose work ethic is um, hard. And I'm not saying that black Americans don't have a good work ethic, but, but I do see that the, the financial aspects of it gets lost when it comes to comparing it to Asian immigrants and Latin immigrants. That's, well, that's what my thing is. Well, the thing is, what I think is you have, okay, I'll give you an example. There's a place okay. called Michoacan Ice Cream, right? Okay. That's a Hispanic-owned ice cream store. It's like Baskin-Robbins. This lady, Yosa, Yosa, uh, Josie, but her name is Yosadara Ortiz, but okay. they call her Josie. She owns this La Michoacan Mexican ice cream, right? Yeah. That place started as a small little ice cream shop. Now, when you go downtown Long Beach to the, to the pike where, like, H&M, uh, Forever 21, Cinema, Cinemark movie theater, Hooters, all that stuff is there. <laughs> yeah. on, listen, on top of that uh -huh. is a big ass La Michoacan ice cream parlor, mm. right? They're mm. in the center. That's probably the most expensive piece of real estate in that promenade right there on the beach. Mm. And she has that one. And just in Long Beach, she has about five locations. The other day, I'm way out, 45 minutes away in the inlet. I mean, in the Orange County in Orange County in Mission yeah. Viejo, I see La Michoacan ice cream. Mm. See, so what I'm telling you is, it's like a person who's a boxer. He might not be skilled, but he's a fighter. Mm. He fights. He's gonna mm. keep throwing punches. He's gonna keep coming forward. That's how Hispanics are. And mm. the, the reason why you're noticing Asians, and it seems like your people don't got it together, you guys outnumber Asians. By a lot, 
If Hispanic people were like, we just want to eradicate Asians from America, you guys could do that in one day. Yeah. So, when you have so, many people, so look, no, yeah. you got way more successful people than Asians. So you're also gonna have way more fuck ups than Asians. Yeah. So okay. when you so the the people who are screwing around the degenerate class of y'all group, they're gonna be magnified yeah. because you have such a big group. Mm-hmm. You you guys outnumber black people by millions now. See, mm-hmm. so you guys white and black. I mean whites and Hispanics. Hispanics are going to overtake whites in like the next 30 years. Done. Like white yeah. people are going to be the majority. So you guys are moving forward, man, from what I see. And I think you should get out to the West Coast more. Yeah. Go to like East LA and stuff. You got L Super. That's a grocery store that competes with Kroger and all the big names. Really? And, and that and that's something that because again, I'm in New York. I don't yeah. I don't see that the many um Latin owned businesses like that. But th- you're not the first one who told me that. I've, I've I've been to the West Coast probably like three times, but I haven't really seen it. But you're not the first one who told me that. There's a lot of people that tell me like, yo, there's probably two or three major big Latino-owned, you know, businesses who are franchises. And to major. me, that's... That, to me, that's... Yeah, to me, that's like insane. I'm like, really? El Super, so- Northgate Market, La Superior. Mm-hmm. Um... There's lots, man. You guys got come to the West Coast. You guys got a lot going on out here. And oh, you got, you got, bro. You got to put me on next time I go. You got to put me. You have, you put me of, you know? have you ever heard of uh, Molina Medical Center? Nah. Okay, Molina Medical Center, right? Yeah. That's where I go to the hospital. They give me my medical coverage, right? Okay. Okay, Molina Medical Center um, is a, is a lady. Um, I forget her first name. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me see. Hold on. I just want to remember her name. I don't no, no, it's all good. Okay, so Molina Medical. Okay, the guy's name is David Molina, right? This guy, his wife, I think he died, but his wife took over after him. Yeah. Molina Medical Center competes with Kaiser as Ooh. far as providing health care. The okay. lady Molina, the, I forgot her first name, she owns billions of dollars of real estate in LA County. Mm. And everywhere you go, there's a Molina Medical Center, Molina Medical Center, Molina yeah. Medical Center. Hispanic people are competing. Yeah. And if you guys aren't doing it because you're just so skilled, it's just their strength in numbers. A, a, a Hispanic grocery store yeah. will survive because Hispanic people are going to shop there and there's millions of them, right? Yeah. So you guys are like that fighter who might not be the one who, you don't have all the technical ability. Yeah. But you're not like Canelo, right? But yeah. you're like a Julio like Cesar Chavez. You're going to just like yeah. keep coming forward and you're going to keep throwing punches yeah. and you're going to be able to do that better. You're going to be more adept at doing that than a guy is at being skilled in counterattack. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, now, now let, me, let me ask you, um, uh, let me ask you for your opinion. So I, I, you're putting me on to all these like Latino-owned type of a, uh, of a, uh, of of places and businesses, which shout out to them, you know what I'm saying. So why do you think, why do you think, uh, parts of LA, um, you know where it's majority, you know, Latino neighborhoods are all messed up? What what is your opinion on that? Um, crime, drugs, okay. uh, cultural things. Uh, people think that a neighborhood is messed up because like there might be violence happening there and stuff. Yeah. Well. 
there are situations where you might have gang violence. But the dudes who are truly in charge of that neighborhood are a couple of little, like, border brother type dudes with the cowboy hats and the, the boots on and stuff like that. And they are they check the gang members. Hey, you guys don't be doing this. Don't be doing that, right? But I think with the Hispanic community, it's mostly just drugs, man. Like meth and stuff like that. And the things that come along with that. Then on top of that, you got like the Mexican mafia who has a stake in like. Yeah. And, 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 and something I've, I've um, the third time I went there is something I, I heard about. Like I didn't get to know, a little, uh, I didn't get to know about it a little bit more until later. There's a huge beef between the Southern Mexicans and the Northern Mexicans. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know nothing about, but apparently the Southern Mexicans, they unite with white supremacist groups. But the northern Mexicans unite with a black black American or black uh you know uh groups or power groups or gangs or whatever the case is. Yeah, so. back in the day that was a bigger thing. It's kind of dying out now. Oh, okay, Got because it. the white supremacist groups are dying out, right? Ah. So now the prisons are like the Hispanics. The Mexican mafia has a big influence and it's it's strong. Really? So Still? The, man, yeah. In the prisons, hell yeah, they're running oh, those prisons. Oh, wow. Okay. But the Norteños, as they call them, a lot of them, at the end of the day, money tears down barriers. Yeah. And it's like, yo, I might be a Northerner and you might be a Southerner, but if I can make a million dollars a year working with you, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to unite with you to stamp out all the competition. So that's still a thing, but it's not as big as it was because the Northern Hispanics don't really have as much like support as like the Southern, because the Southern, mm. the Southern Mexicans, they got support coming straight from Mexico in the form of cartel money. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, now, now one of my other questions is, um, I saw that he, he were going at Tariq Nasheed and, and some of the things that he would say, oh, uh, what, what, first of all, what made you want to go after Tariq Nasheed and, uh, what, what was going through your mind at the time to actually go after him? and what was some of the backlash that you got for going after him? Well, you know, Tariq Nasheed is very, is entertaining, right? That's probably why you watched him. And our people love to be entertained. A lot of people will tell me, well, Tariq's entertaining. So if he steals money from our community, at least we got the entertainment value for it, right? So I don't really have a, a problem with Tariq Nasheed for like who he is but i do have a problem with someone who takes money out of our community and says he's gonna do one thing with it and then he totally does nothing at all with it like he got almost two million dollars saying he was gonna build a um, museum in los angeles he gets the money he comes back and says oh yeah these white people wouldn't let me buy the building they sold it to a weed dispensary yeah, well, we I, I saw up, a video. Somebody made a video about it. Um, well, we, we call up the yeah. we call up the real estate group. They're like that building is still available, and no one by Tariq's real name. I'm not gonna put that out there, but his real name, which I know it, has come in here making any type of offer for that building. He lied, right? And you know, I'm not gonna get into the super details of it, but basically, he just has a track record of taking money from our people saying he's going to do something and never doing it. He got 200000 out of our people for an app called More Us. The app was never delivered. Says he was uh, he worked with some Indian development companies and they screwed him over. 
Well, bro, it don't cost 200,000 bucks to make an app. That's probably about 25,000 max, and you'll get a really nice one. So where's the other eight, uh, $175,000 that we donated? He took money out of our community, almost uh, $200,000 or more, when he said he was going to build housing in Haiti. Well, he took that money. No houses ever got built in Haiti. See, and Tariq has a history of doing that, you know, but people defend him because he released a series of DVDs that were like historical documentaries called Hidden Colors. And our people do that a lot. If someone ever gave you something that you, that like you really loved, it's very hard to see that person for what they really are once they start stealing from you, once they start taking from you. And I'm sure in the Hispanic community, you guys deal with that stuff too. People who you look at like, this guy is really not good for our people, but everybody loves him because of nostalgia and, oh, this person woke me up. They brought me into the game, you know? And it's like, yeah, but that person changed or they never were who you thought they were. So that's what I'm dealing with. Just a bunch of older black Americans who have like an unhealthy emotional attachment to entertainment and to con artists like Tariq. And so when you speak against them, you're, you're, you're a coon, you're off cold, all this stuff. But, you know, people always kill the people who try to help them. Look at Jesus. He tried to help the Jews. What they do, they killed them. He didn't say nothing wrong. He just forced them to look at the thing. He forced them to, to bring, he brought up the things that they didn't want to discuss. He, he, he like showed them their, their error, the error in their ways, and they killed him. And all the other prophets in the Bible, they did the same thing. Some of them they even killed right at the altar because they were telling them something they didn't want to hear. And Tariq Nasheed, he, 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 he helps black people stay in a victim mindset. Every word out of his mouth is white supremacy, suspect the white supremacy, racism. When someone talks like that, they're just giving you an excuse to be unsuccessful. Because oh you you're not unsuccessful because of you you're unsuccessful because of white supremacy or because the, the United States is racist. Well, here's the thing: they don't want to leave the United States, but they want to stay in the United States. Constantly complaining about how racist 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 it is. If it was that racist, you wouldn't want to stay here. So it's a hypocritical thing. You're gonna have to pick which one is it, which story you want to build on, which lie you want to build on, and, and then go forward. But at this point, Tariq is just keeping black people in the same spot. Why? Because that's what's most beneficial and lucrative for him. Yeah, I, um, again, the reason why I like your videos so much and you as a, as a person is because you're not a sheep. You know what I'm saying? You, you could hear somebody out, but also criticize them. And this is something that I really don't like, the fact that the certain people get to a certain status and you can never criticize them. You know? Save your cows. Exactly. People are people. People are going to get criticized. Just no like myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like myself. If I do something crazy, I expect people to call me out as such. You know what I'm saying? I expect people to be like, no, you did this and this and this. You feel me? I like I'm a Tariq fan, but I'm not a Tariq stan. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't agree with everything he he says or does, but I could also be like, "Hey, yo, that's a little funny style." You feel me? Right. So, um, for example, I made a video about uh, uh, um, 
was it the Black Authority? You know, that joint got like something like 300 thumbs down, you know, but yet it got like 5,000, 6,000 views for right. it. And all I did was just question uh, question him about the whole Latinos in Florida type of thing or whatever the case is, right? All I did was question it. And everybody up in the comment section was like, you racist against um black folks. And I'm like, all I did was question. I didn't call him no names. I didn't say nothing. It was right. wild. So right. I'm like, you can't. Well, I, for me, I'm like, yo, you could never criticize some per, uh, somebody. Well, because some those good, people, but, you know what I'm saying? Those people have already trained their audience to think that anyone who dares question them is a racist. Because Tariq, you've heard him tell somebody, you're not an FBA or you're not a foundational black American. You must be a Haitian. If you disagree with me. So what it is, is these can't be real identities because the identity is dictated by someone who some, whether someone likes you or not. If I can't be FBA, if I disagree with Tariq, then how can he say that that's about lineage? Because if I, I are you Puerto Rican or Mexican or what are you? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Dominican and Ecuadorian. Okay. So, oh. I'm, I, so I think you get Puerto Rican. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Look, yeah. so, you could disre you could curse out the president of Ecuador, right? Yeah. But he can never come and say you're not Ecuadorian, right? That's he could true. never say that because that's, that's a lineage, that's your blood. That's mm -hmm. why when he, they have opposition, they just kill him or throw him in prison because they're like, I can't challenge him on that's his true. authenticity as that's a true. as a Dominican. Tariq literally, the term FBA, Tariq can give it and he can take it away. Yeah. That means it's not about lineage because technically Lord Jamar is not FBA. He has Caribbean ancestry. His parents are not foundational black Americans. They're not the descendants of American slaves. But but Tariq told Lord Jamar that he is foundational black American. And I've heard him tell somebody who had a great great grandparent who was from Jamaica that they're not FBA, right? So FBA is yeah. just a term that Tariq can give and take away. So that's how you know that it's not about lineage. It's just about a label. And he has that label trademarked and copywritten. So anybody who ever used it. Yeah, talking about cool. that, I, I found that a little funny style. Somebody sent me a trademark thing that he actually owns FBA as a trademark? Yeah. Yes. That's so basically it's like a club. It's like a club. Yeah. It's not a lineage. Black Americans, just so your audience knows, there's a term that describes African-Americans it is literally in United States politics in the in the uh, uh, Library of Congress. It's freedmen, black okay. men who were once slaves who were set free were freedmen, yeah. aka African American. Which any black person in America that's a citizen is an African American. But if yeah. you want to talk specifically about you know those African Americans that you know, like a Jay Z or a Puff Daddy, we are freedmen. Mm. That's our technical term. FBA, autos, those are just clubs. They're not gotcha. really national lineage based. Gotcha, gotcha. Um the 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 thing is also I want I want to say like I, I agree with you with the whole victim mentality because when I talk about white supremacy, I'm talking about some of the systematic things that happen. That does not mean that you can't get off your ass and actually work. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that you can't actually try to get yourself a loan to open up a business. 
I'm just uh, we're, I'm just talking about the things that can happen, the things that are happening outside the real world that you might have to just skirt over, you know, just a little. You know what I'm saying? Have and, you ever have you ever heard of the dude? Have you ever heard the dude Salt Bay? The dude who cuts up the steaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. The okay. meme. Yeah, yeah, the meme. That guy is like Mexican or something. I don't know what he is, but I know he ain't no. He, I know he's like an immigrant or the son of an immigrant, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Tonight I'm gonna go pay him five hundred dollars for a steak in Beverly Hills. Okay. Uh huh. There's nothing in America that you can't do. The only of course, thing that's standing in your way is you, or some grifter who's benefiting from standing in your way. Black people, there's 40 million black African Americans in a, in the United States. If 10 million of them gave five dollars a month, that would be something like six hundred million dollars a month or something, sixty million dollars a month or something ridiculous like that, right? Yeah. At that rate, we can totally buy out Forbes 500 companies within a year. But but do you, would you agree that? Let's say, let's just say that that plan gets gets done and everybody gets on code the first month, everybody gets that money. Don't you think there's going to be powers that be that we're going to try to stop that? I'm, I don't speculate on that type of stuff. I gotcha. just, okay. Because you don't know what's going to happen until you try it. And that's True. what we need to do. True. We, True. Need to stop. we need to start trying things. Tariq and these guys keep you stuck in the mud, making you feel like, you, if your parent told you, oh, you can't do nothing because white supremacy, you can't do nothing. Some people would call that child abuse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> before they even get a chance. Yeah. So why do they, why do people sit up and allow Tariq to tell them that? Oh, mm. you can't do nothing because the white man's going to hold you back. Meanwhile, mm. black people all around you are being becoming successful. Mm. And even now we have technology. So you don't have to build your empire here. You can so, go to so, Africa and build so it. what would you what would you uh call what would you call um let's say some of the the things that we see on on video let's say uh somebody getting getting murdered and that police officer getting acquitted what would you what would you call that I would call that the justice system of America mm. the police are empowered they have a license to kill got it you you wouldn't you wouldn't call that white supremacy. You wouldn't call that like institutional racism or anything. I would call that white supremacy, and I would call that institutional white racism. But guess what? There's people who don't ever have to deal with that. You live in New York. You manage not to get killed by the cops. But guess what? I bet you're not doing a crime. You're probably not beating up your girlfriend. You're, <laughs> probably, not, you're probably not going out after freaking twelve o'clock at no, night. You're, you're you're right, but I I also was. Random, you know, when I used to live in 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 the Bronx, I was right. you know stop and frisk literally almost every other week. Yeah, but uh, you could but you could have just moved out of the Bronx if you didn't like that, right? Well, I I could have, which I did. You know, I right. moved out of the Bronx, but um, the, the 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 point that I was still there, you know, I still experienced you know the the, the racism that are, that but, certain people are talking caused, about. What caused stop and frisk? Well, it's statistically was a um, police officer being told to stop. Uh, black and brown people without no no cause no or merit. But were there black and brown people committing a bunch of crimes over there? No. No. Okay. Then it was just racism. No. It, it no. It was proven that it was a a racially a racial thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 But there was somebody in that neighborhood who approved of that for that to happen. Oh, no. It, it, wasn't, 
It did. It did. It did. There's yeah. always members of society who who basically call. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to listen. I'm not trying to find excuses. I I knew I knew. A, uh, I'm not even gonna say his name, but I knew someone during that time of the whole stop and frisk. It was to the point where he, you know, stopped carrying his gun everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And the day that he did, because he was going to plan to rob a, a store, he got stopped, frisked, and booked. You know what I'm saying? So I get, I understand. I'm not trying. I to mean, it helped that. a little bit, but there oh, was it did. Some... It, I'm not saying it, it, it didn't, but the 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 fact that the only targets of that was black and brown and white folks were never really targeted, and was like probably less than one percent speaks to a larger truth. You know what I'm saying? Well, the, well, you got to understand that the police, they're looking at who they're locking up every day, right? So they're yeah. like, hey, most of the people doing these crimes, are they white? Probably not. Also, yeah. Remember, <laughs> yeah. also remember, white people are more likely to start tripping if you violate their rights. True. How yeah. long did you guys sit around and tolerate stopping frisk before you were like, I'm not taking this anymore? If the cops yeah. said every time we try to stop somebody, they turn around and punching us in the jaw, stop and frisk will end within 15 minutes. Yeah. Look at look at George Floyd's situation. When the people got pissed off, what did the cops do? They stood down. They're like, there's nothing we can do. There's too many of them. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Either you're allowing this BS to take place, yeah. or there's someone in your community who is saying that that's what they want those police officers to do. Because mm. if they weren't, there would be a huge pushback. Yeah. It, well, there was, a, I think, um, interviews on with cops who are suing the department who, who said they were told to, to do this. But the reason why also they didn't target white folks is because what you just said, if they did, they'll be out of a job the next day. And, and exactly what you, what you just said. And I, uh, I, I, see, I see your point. And the thing is, I, I don't think that our community at that time had that we if we did but i don't think we were aware of the 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 power that we actually hold to actually stop those type of things well you we have well, we, well we're politically lazy a lot of us have this mentality that's individualistic if it didn't happen to me i don't care see mm. what i'm saying mm. um, they're like oh well it didn't happen to me but then when it has, happens to them or someone close to them yeah. Now they want everybody to get up in arms. It's like yeah. when black people get killed by the cops. I'm not marching for no black dude who gets killed by the cops. You want to tell you why? Why? Because his parents and him didn't give a shit about the black community until they were negatively affected. See what I'm saying? Mm. Once their kid got killed, all of a sudden they want every black person in America to mobilize for them. But what were they doing to support before. black community before their kid got killed. And I have a saying, yeah. if your own daddy won't go to war for you, right? Yeah. Then I'm not going to war for you. I'm not okay. going to go. I see what if, you're listen, saying. You kill my son or daughter, I'm going to be at the police station taking heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I ain't yeah. going to be sitting in the background waiting on somebody to cut me a $12 million check. Yeah. And that's what it's becoming. These people get killed. Their parents are like, yeah, black people, mobilize and support, our, support us. We mobilize and support. Soon as they cut the check, their parents forget all about the, the unity crap yeah, and yeah. their Ferraris. Yeah. How many how many after school programs or 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 uh boys and girls clubs or things like that did you see Trayvon Martin's mother start after she got that money for his death? Zero. Or Michael Brown's parents after they got that money for his death. 
or Breonna Taylor's parents once they got that money for her death. Nothing. Yeah. So it's all BS. If you get the money and you don't use at least not even one penny of that money to prevent the stuff that happened to you from happening to other people, yeah, you're just a hypocrite and you were just only in it for the money. You were selfish and you used your community. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on Black Lives Matter as an organization? Not the logo, because the, the slogan itself, Black Lives Matter, I support that. But the organization as itself, I'm very critical of. On top of that, I'm seeing that some of the founders literally finesse millions of dollars. In, yeah, Black Lives Matter was never something that was meant to help Black people. Mm. Black Lives Matter was created by a white guy, George Soros, to okay. capitalize on Black male death mm. that was all that was because we're just hearing about the, like 60 to 90 million dollars that they got at the end but yeah. but people donated millions and millions of dollars to black lives matter before mm. they got that big check from those corporations yeah. and also black lives matter said they were anti-capitalism and all that stuff but soon as they got that money their ceo or the one who was the leader the founder she became a capitalist. She went into the real estate market. She went into the rental market, bought a bunch of houses, and who knows what else she did. But Black Lives Matter was just a straight psyop or something. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was just all a scam, bro. And that's yeah. what most of this stuff is. Yeah. Now, 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 let me ask you. Do you do you think? Um, I'm gonna ask you two questions, and then we'll start wrapping it up. What do you think? Or who do you think is out there right now actually beneficial in supporting the black community and you actually see them as a a beacon of hope for the black community right that now? African is people. Mm. Mm. Explain why. Because we're the only ones putting in work, period. Tariq, Tariq Nasheed is not doing more for the black community than me. He has okay. more money than I do, but I'll give you an example. I have a group called the OAP. Just last year, I made 65 Black American people, landowners in Africa. They mm. bought land from me, from, from me for below cost. Soon as they bought the land, they had, there, there was, there was um, equity in the land, right? Because the minute they bought it, the land was valued at more than what they paid for it. Mm. And that land has tripled in value since they purchased it, mm. right? So they love Africa. They want to be in Africa. So now they have a, they have property in Africa where they can do whatever they want to with it. They can even sell it if they want to, or they can build on it. You know what I'm saying? That that's I create. I took them. Now some of those people probably had a zero net worth. Once they became landowners in Africa, now they have a net worth, and that net worth has tripled since. Can they, they can they put can they put that type of land in their portfolio as a real estate investment and in yeah. equity? Yes. Okay. 100% legal with title deeds and everything like that. That that means, for people who might not know, that means they can use that equity to fund other projects, correct? Right, right. Okay. That's so, so, they so, pull out loans, they can get loans based on it? Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people might not know, but if you're a landowner, I don't know about the whole Africa thing, but I, I think it, it, might, it might be the same. But here, if you're a landowner, you can actually take, take or use that equity in order to to get a car or another house or a, a loans or whatever the case is, so yeah. so uh, so would they be able to use use that in their portfolio and use that as an equity um, 
the first thing they do when they land, they get a bank account, and they first thing they do, they get a tax ID and they get a bank account. Mm, that's right? a that's a e uh, e ten, right? Well, that in Africa is called a KRA pin, but it's okay, the same thing it, like an e ten. Yeah. Okay. And I introduced them to a lawyer gotcha. who can who can work out and 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 handle their business dealings in Africa. So people are able to kind of do more in Africa than they can even do in America, because in America, if you don't got a certain amount of money, you're totally priced out of everything. So you don't have no need to even learn about it. That's actually, that's actually true. Yeah. yeah right. no, that's, that's that, no, that's actually, that's actually true. Somebody, um, um, try to, so, so I got, I got, I was in talks of getting some land in, in, in Ecuador and I found that literally it's like zero red tape. Right. And I try to do the same thing here and the minimum amount of money that you need just to even get to the door is ten thousand dollars, which right. is insane to me. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, are you serious? So I, I I see I see your point, but but continue. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and and see, and you see how when you tried to do something in Ecuador and it was very easy, that motivated you to try to do it in America. Yeah. See? And that's what we need more of in our in the black community. We need people who we need a situation where people can try things at a minimal risk so that when they come to back to America and they try things with a major risk, they understand, yeah. you know, the, what they're dealing with. If you, so a lot of the people in my group never bought land or property in America, but mm. they own property in Africa. Mm. But now that they own property in Africa, they're willing to take a crack at purchasing property in America because they've mm. done it before. They're familiar with the process, right? Mm. They're not intimidated. By the mm. process anymore. Now, and now, let, let me let me ask you: um, the property in Africa, do the, would those taxes affect them here as well, or is it just a one tax type of a type of a loop? Africa, it depends on the country you are in, but some okay. countries don't make you pay no taxes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you just buy it, and it's short. Africans don't really play all that. Like, oh, we gonna keep taxing you on some land for a hundred years. Because it's yeah. never really yours if that's the case. It's, yeah. it's theirs, but they're letting you use it or rent gotcha, it or gotcha. whatever. Gotcha. So, so all I'm saying is we're giving our people an education, right? Okay. In real estate for a cheap amount of money. Yeah. And then they can, and then they don't have to feel like all their hopes and dreams are on the United States. Gotcha. There's something that happens to black people when the Democrats or whoever <clears throat> don't do right by us. Mm -hmm. We become hopeless because all we know is America. So we feel True. like, yo, this is our country, but they don't care about us because they wouldn't do this for us. But if you yeah. give yourself another place to call home, you can wait and say, well, shit, I couldn't do it here, but I'm going to go back over there. And do yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how every other, let me tell you something. Every race in on earth in America has the ability to do that except for African-Americans. You can go to the DR and be like, fuck it, I couldn't do it in America. I'm going to go to DR and do it. Or I'm going to go to Ecuador and do it. Or I'm going to go to wherever you're from and do it, right? Black Americans for so long, because we've been disconnected from Africa, right? We were like, well, if we can't do it in America, then I guess we can't do it. But now the Pan-Africanist is building that bridge back with Africa. So uh, black people are like, yo, we ain't gotta worry about we don't gotta beg them anymore. We yeah, we got we got a land we got some land back home and also and I get you. I get exactly. You. Now you understand why Pan-Africanism is so crucial. So any yeah. person who's black or African American 
who speaks against Pan-Africanism is a traitor to their race because ah. they don't want them because they are fighting against their people getting on equal footing with everyone else in America who got they got two they got two places where they could go do something yeah black, they want black americans to stay stuck in one place even I, white folks could go to europe and build. I, i've even I've, I've heard i've heard some um some black americans even say uh that they feel a little conflicted now because they were pan-african right and they even got some houses in nigeria whatever the case is and now this whole movement ados fba now they feel disconnected because they're like, well, at first I was Pan-African. Now um, not, they don't know where to go. You know what I'm saying? Do, do you think that, 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 that is, that's the reason why you're saying that there's a big disconnect and, and there's a divide, a deliberate divide being, being, um, being brought up? Well, no, because those people just aren't that intelligent. FBA is something. You can be FBA and be a Pan-African. You okay. can be. You can be Jamaican. Jama they say FBA is a lineage like Jamaican or Caribbean or whatever, right? Well, there are Jamaicans who are Pan-Africanist. There are people from Guyana who are Pan-Africanist. So your lineage doesn't... Pan-Africanism is a political ideology like Democrat and Republican. You could be any race and be a Democrat. You could be any race and be a Republican, true, right? True. But the people who say they're conflicted they were never truly Pan-Africanist because what they're doing now is they're taking something that one guy created and he can give it and take it away if he, if he sees fit. And they're trying to equate that to a political identity. That's like uh. somebody said, um, let's, I'll give you an example. So say there's a club you could be in. Let's say you're in the, 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 the Shriners Club, right? You're in yeah. that club. That's like equating being in the Shriners to being a Republican. Being yeah. a Shriner is something that can be like taken away from you, but yeah. you can't ever technically be kicked out of the Republican Party because it's an ideology. Yeah, even if they were to say we're kicking you out, you still hold that. It's like ideology. it's like it's like being a Christian or or or, right. or or Muslim or whatever the case is. Like just because, let's say, a priest or whoever. You're no longer this. You could go to another church and they'll accept. You know what I'm saying? So you still I get, believe I, in Christ. Yeah, you yeah, you know, I get it. Christ. I get so, it. So they're so they're trying to they're trying to take they're giving up something where no one that not, no one can take from you in exchange for something that some loser is able to dictate and switch the rules and change the rules and parameters of at will. Gotcha. And when uh, you look at it like that, you see how stupid that is. Gotcha. I I um final final questions um. I saw one. I I was part of your latest stream um a couple of couple of days ago, and I think you were you were discussing the fact that Black Americans were in um the indigenous people in America. I, I believe. Yeah, we were. Okay, so wait, you say we were or weren't? We were not. Okay, got it. And I, I I'm even seeing some Black Americans even say that. They don't believe that there were ships that, that brought that. I'm hearing like, show me the ships, show me the ships, show me the ships. Right. So why, why do you think certain black Americans think that they were in, indigenous to this land? Uh, because there's something called cognitive bias. And cognitive bias is basically when you know so little about a subject that you think you know everything, right? Mm. It's like you're, if you have a kid, right? 
and you're fixing a car and you explain to the kid how to put on a pair of brakes. That's much different from being able to replace an engine. See, but a kid or a person who has cognitive bias, they can think that because they know how to do brakes, that automatically qualifies them to fix an entire car from top to bottom. Well, the reality is they just don't know how difficult it is to do that. So they're trying to simplify everything into their realm of understanding. Yeah. So when you hear, we were here first, right? Well, you got people who heard the Columbus story. And Columbus said, oh, these people were dark-skinned and they were swarthy and this and that. Oh, that means us. They said they was dark-skinned, that must be us. Well, they called anybody with dark skin black. Exactly. But if yeah. you don't know that, right, if you don't do the research, yeah. you're going to think that those people were black. So mm. what do these people do? They get a piece of information and they, do, they develop what's called an anchoring bias where mm. they anchor themselves to a certain piece of information. Yeah. And no matter what new information is introduced that disproves what they believe, they're always going to fall back on that, that piece of information they hold on to. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Do you remember the video where Tariq Nasheed was going at it with the Italian dude? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. At first, they were getting along pretty well. But then... In, when, yeah, in the beginning, they were talking about certain Italian history or whatever the case is, right. yeah. At first, they were agreeing. But then when Tariq got to the point where his little game or his little con was being threatened, when the guys start dropping the truth about who built the big major cities, what did Tariq start doing? Tariq started insulting him, and Tariq kept repeating one phrase, we built this country. We but we built this country. But we built this country. Tariq is anchored to that one piece of information. And to defend that one piece of information from other from other information that is also true, he's gonna just resort to set repeatedly saying, We built this country while throwing in different insults to keep his uh audience entertained. And if you and if you learn about uh the con artist, right? I've been reading a lot about con artists. Yeah. One of the ways a con artist gets you to lower your defenses is through comedy. Making you mm. laugh. Remember when they say with a girl, if you make her laugh, you got her? Remember they used to say that? Yeah. <laughs> because when you make somebody laugh, you they lower their defenses. So if yeah. somebody's so if someone's laughing, they're more impressionable. I, I do I do that. When it comes to like arguments, if somebody's right. arguing with me or it's very hostile, I automatically go into like comedy or whatever because that's how I was basically brought up growing up in the Bronx. You know what I'm right. saying? When something is hostile, you just crack jokes real quick in order to diffuse the whole thing, and then you go like, "Yo, what's what's really wrong with you? You know what? Right, what's, what's, right. You know what I'm saying? So and, and that's you, how I got. And you can use that to make people lower their defenses when it comes to giving you money and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And if, if you notice, that's exactly what Tariq does during his shows. One minute he's cracking jokes, next minute he's begging for money. And then after that, he's cracking jokes again. Yeah. Makes him feel not non-threatening, right? Oh, Tariq's yeah. not that bad. Well, anybody who gets on the internet and basically incites a war between two people of the same race of people, Yeah. I would say that they're a threat. You can't do that in white society and people say, oh, he's harmless. No. Yeah, yeah. They'll lock you up. They'll yeah. lock you up. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why they locked up dudes like um 
what's his name? Ted, but uh, not Ted, but what's the killer? The, he wasn't a killer. He made other people go kill. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I know who you are in California. Charles uh, Manson. Charles, Charles Manson. Manson. Yeah, yeah, man. Charles Manson never killed anybody, but he had a a way of getting other people to kill people for him. He yeah. was a threat, and that's what Tariq is doing. Tariq is not gonna go out and do anything to an immigrant, but he has rhetoric that will cause people to go do that. And that's the same thing that happened in the uh, uh, Rwanda. I'm sure you heard about Rwanda back in the 90s when those dudes were killing each other up. To this yeah, day, was it? Um, was it? And then, and then, um, the uh, I think America got involved in all this other well, stuff. I don't think and... America got involved, but it was the Hutus and Tutsis, and they were killing each other. It was a huge genocide in. 19- oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, a lot of that started because why? There was a guy. There's a documentary on Netflix about this guy. They just recently found him and arrested him after like 30 years. But he was a radio DJ. He was a radio DJ, and every morning he would get on the radio and start basically telling one tribe to go and kill this other tribe. Mm. He would get on the radio, he was nationally syndicated, and all he would do is tell people how horrible that other tribe was. And, and false like, propaganda oh. and stuff like propaganda. that. Propaganda, and he basically, through radio, he radicalized an entire tribe of people. Mm. And it led to the Rwandan genocide. Mm. So what we got to understand is, Words have power, and when people have the ears of thousands of people, they need to be responsible about what they're saying. Yeah. What 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 I'm hearing from from you is basically don't be a sheep. Yeah. You know, take some of the information, but also question it. And yeah, you can you can you can you can you can take some. You can uh, eat the meat. You can eat the meat and spit out the fat. Yeah. But a lot of people don't do that because. They're looking to these people for more than what these people are offering. Like I just yeah. told you about OAP. What program has Tariq ever started that enriches his community? Like yeah. be real, since you've been listening to him, mm-hmm. what program has he ever started that benefited anybody but himself? I, the only thing I would think of is mel- the, the Melanoid uh, Nation uh, thing, but but that what really didn't. That? But that really what is didn't. Not doing for anyone. That nice really didn't, yeah, yeah, that really didn't do anything to... Yeah, it was just all talk. It was all lip service. I can yeah. tell you, we're going to start the Black Avengers. Yeah, I, I see I see the biggest, like, it started with, like, to me, with Umar, you know, right. getting all of this, the school, and then he just bought a, an abandoned building and just called it a school. Like, that's, that, right. like, that is supposed to mean something, you know what I mean? Right. Um, But I never... Thinking about it now, I'm, 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 now you got me work. I, I haven't, I haven't seen. It's anything. just like it's just like the Democratic Party. Tariq, the black, the black authority, or Professor Black, or whatever his name yeah. is. Those guys have the same model of the Democratic Party. Promise yeah. black people everything, deliver them nothing, and make sure you get the money out. Like, like I said, like I said before, I have tons of respect for Tariq because he was the one, one of one of the people who were was teaching me about white supremacy and stuff. But I do question a lot and I do disagree with a lot of things that he has done and have said. Which what, gets what, did, like, what did Tariq you know what teach you about white supremacy that you didn't well, already well, know? Well, well, some of the things about white supremacy that, uh, you know, 
white folks don't get fired, they get transferred, uh, other things about white supremacy that um, you know, it's a it's viewed as a religion, not as a not as a uh as a as a practice, is actually viewed as a religion, which I actually interviewed a former white supremacist and he pretty much confirmed some of the things that Tariq said in the past. But did Tariq um, tell you how to deal with white supremacy? No. How to thrive under white supremacy? No. See, that's no. the grift. I can tell you about problems all day long, brother. Your mama yeah. could have told you about white supremacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tariq ain't telling y'all nothing y'all don't already know. Yeah. That's the whole point. It's uh -huh. like going to school to learn your ABCs over again and say, man, what I do did teach me my ABCs. <laughs> you know, listen, bro, we've been growing up in this society just like him, so yeah. we know how it goes. What Tariq does is he tickles people's ears, which means he tells them what they want to hear, yeah. and he gives them an excuse to not be successful. The only, the only solution I will probably say, if I've said it on my program before, when when I talk about white supremacy, the only solution that I do see is one, unifying, two, getting on code, and three, actually coming together with like-minded individuals who are in these certain sectors and coming together and actually coming up with solutions. So how does so how does Tariq push an FBA talking trash to other black people? I have no idea. How does that build you? I, I, I have that's exactly the question I asked you, and I have no idea. That's the reason why I asked you because I've, all he, I've heard was he roasting. Benefit, he benefits from the disunity, that's mm. what makes him an agent of chaos. Disunity is more yeah. profitable for Tariq than unity, yeah. So, what we're doing is like a Jim Jones thing where all oh, this guy's the next coming to Jesus, and the next thing you know, he's like, Yo, drink this Kool Aid. <laughs> Well, he, I, well, I thought he was here to save us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 I'm, gonna yeah, yeah. You, I'm gonna save you from having to spend yeah. that money. And, in your and, and let me and let me let you know. Uh, well, let me let like tell you. Um, I when at first I thought like when I saw I was on your stream, um, years ago I thought that you know Black Americans were the original people here, and then later on I started getting more educated, and people were like, "No, nah, here, read this book, read this, do this, and all this other stuff." And before I got on your stream, there was a, a Twitter back and forth, right, uh, on Twitter spaces. Uh, and an individual said, okay, if Black Americans were here first originally, right, how come they couldn't tell the indigenous people how to get rid of smallpox? And that was a huge, 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 huge antenna booster for me. I said, wait a minute. That makes a lot of sense. Right. If Africans got rid of smallpox by, you know, by traditional means and also by word of mouth, right? And the theory goes that Africans were crossing the, the oceans to South America and all this other stuff. And then the original inhabitants here, how come they couldn't share that same information? Well, here's the thing. And that, and that makes a lot of sense. So now my, my question to you is, do you agree with that? Does that make sense to you? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is what, what happened. Africans have been dealing with white Europeans for a long time. So we actually vaccinated ourselves against European diseases and had developed resistances to them. If Africans were here in the beginning, the native populations would have had a resistance to smallpox. If we have been selling across the water, 
they would have already developed a resistance to smallpox or they would have just got wiped out. See what I'm saying? These people had never even interacted with anyone who was carrying those types of diseases. When, it was when, first when, contact. Yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, whoa. And I was like, wait a minute, that makes a lot of sense. That's called science. That's called yeah. science and history. <laughs> and when you start looking at this stuff from a perspective of science and history, yeah. then all these little frivolous Dang Calloway and Tariq Nasheed little stupid talking points, they, they, they fizzle because you realize their questions are based on what they don't know. See, gotcha. they're not asking the question hypothetically or rhetorically. They're asking the question because they really don't know the answer. Gotcha. And when you give them the answer, they have two choices. I'm going to give up the bag and accept the answer and be a beacon of truth, or I'm going to deny the answer and keep on getting this money. Gotcha, gotcha. Bro, listen, okay, can I call you Brandon? Brandon, listen, yeah. it's been a pleasure, bro. Um, I really enjoyed this interview. I, I hope um, a, a lot of people got to know you a little bit more. Um, I've been watching some of your videos, and these are some of the questions that was brewing in my mind and stuff, but I'm glad that we actually had the conversation. Um, tell the people where they could find you. Tell the people your Instagram. Tell the people where, where, where they could get a hold of you so they could get more of this, uh, this knowledge. Well, you can just get at me right there at Pan Africanism Strikes Back, spelt like that, on YouTube. Um, I always drop my email in my chats when I'm live. So you can go there and get my email. Um, I'm not hard to find. I mean, you found me. Get on the channel. I go live pretty much every day. Yeah. I talk a lot of trash, <laughs> but mm. I do look at my comments. And if you say, hey, Brandon, I want to do something with you or whatever. You, I will respond to you. So yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um. Again, thank you for for coming in. All of his information, like uh, emails and and channel stuff, will be linked down below. And with that being said, I'm gonna catch y'all later. Peace. Peace. All right, guys. So you guys heard the interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um. Remember, all the links. To go follow him it's in the description down below so definitely you know go go follow him also comment tell me what you guys think about the episode what you guys think about some of the things he said some of the things i said let me know and let's open this whole thing for a conversation you know what i'm saying but anyway with that being said if you guys want to hit me up on instagram and twitter at the same name radical underscore latino underscore that also goes for TikTok, you know, you know what I mean? I got it. I got TikTok. You don't got to keep up with the youngins. You know what I mean? And also, if you guys want to donate, cash app, dollar sign, Radical Latino, or go to my website, RadicalLatino.com. There's a donate button and go donate there if you guys would like. And I'm going to leave you guys with my two favorite quotes. I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. And if black and brown unity doesn't happen within my lifetime, I might not change the world, but I might inspire the mind that will. With that being said, I'm going to catch y'all later. Peace!